There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. An echo. I love it. I love it. Welcome to the Unfiltered Experience. It's Friday night. It's five o'clock here in Southern California, and it's seven o'clock there in Austin, Texas. I'm Christopher Roush, and this is my wonderful, awesome buddy, Mr. Scott Goyette. <laughs> yeah, Scott David Goyette. What's going on, brother? How are you doing this Friday evening? Cheers. Uh, I feel good to be sitting here with you, just enjoying the universe and uh, just trying to make sense of it all. Chris, you're going to like what I did right now. So I knew you needed to have a drink tonight, but check what I did. I've got something. It's called Clear Mind. So I want you guys to, if this is a good product, you're going to find out right now. If you think the things I say are whimsical and they make a lot of sense, because I was feeling off earlier. I've got about a quarter of this in my body. So if you guys notice a difference, um, we could start promoting this product. Maybe it can make some money off it. It's Dr. It's Brew Doctor Clear Mind. I trusted Brew, it. So. Brew Doctor Clear Mind. Kombucha, yeah. Mm. Do you remember the Lucille Ball, the Lucy episode where she's like, Vita Vita Vegemin? <laughs> Just take a couple of drops and it'll be great. Vita Vita Vegemin. I do remember that being her humor. I don't remember that one, but I like it. You don't remember that one? Oh my God. That's like one of the classic ones. I grew up and literally when we were homeless, I remember sitting in, in motel rooms whenever we had them and watching TV and I'd watch I Love Lucy and Gomer Ballas, all this weird rerun shit. And Gomer so Ballas, I, watched of, yeah. I watched a lot of uh, I Love Lucy. Watched a lot of it. So here we are Friday night. So, uh, so yeah, if you say anything, say anything intelligent, then we're going to blame it on that stuff. We're not going to blame it on the fact that you're just a very seasoned professional dude that has been through <laughs> life and a lot of experience. You're going to be like, no, is my Vita Vita Vegemin. By the way, uh, kick I'll ass unstoppable, it. ladies and gentlemen. Welcome Friday night. As always, we engage with you guys here in the comments and uh, also with your questions. So whether you're live or on the replay, make sure you guys are checking in with us and letting us know what kind of questions you have or what kind of comments you have as we're having the conversation. And uh, we're just waiting for a few minutes before our guest uh, arrives. He has a, a previous engagement that he knew is going to be a, a little bit late. What's up, Jean Guy? Hello, What's hello. Up? He's saying happy belated, Scott. Oh, thank, thank you for being here, Jean Guy. Appreciate it. Says, uh, hey, brother, looking well, looking well. So tonight we're going to be talking about uh, abundance mindset, Scott. And I think about that and there's so many different places to go. And what do you think about when you think about abundance? What do you, what, what's the word that comes to your mind in a, in a word of abundance? Because I was thinking about that in preparation for this discussion and thinking, okay, what's the definition of abundance in my brain? So I was curious to see what it is for you. Okay. I'm going to, you know, this is a great question because I, I would say until probably my mid twenties, maybe even late twenties, the first word I associated, associated with abundance was guilt. Because mm. I'm like abundance, like I'm like, why do I deserve abundance when there's people starving all over the world? And I, being in sales, I would you know be chasing money and getting these toys and getting these stuff, you know, all these things. And I had this horrific guilt when I'd start to accumulate wealth, and I just felt like, why me? You know, why me? And then what I started to realize is we're all here on in our independent journeys and the things that you and I talk about all the time. And I think what we need to do is we need to not even think, I know we, we speak of this all the time, is you fill your cup enough and the abundance comes in filling your cup with love, which starts with self-love. And in that overflow, that's how we take care of people. Now, if you're somebody who's just taking just to take and you don't understand how to be an equal giver and receiver and understand the energy transfer of the universe, then abundance might be something that I don't even want to interpret. But for me, it's filling my cup over so that my brilliance, and when I say my brilliance, we've talked about this a million times, it's the gifts that I've been given are literally flowing over to other people. So, you know, today's a day, and, and you know, I know for you too, you're in a lot of pain, there's things you're dealing with. Sometimes you struggle keeping that cup filled. And I think the most important thing we need to do if we're gonna get to a space of abundance is to start that abundance with ourselves and give ourselves so much self-love, so much self-nurture, 
Maybe today's the day you go to bed early. Maybe today's the day you put some ice on your back. Whatever it is, do those things. In fact, I've got ice on my two big toes, right? Two little toes. So here's what I did today. I got stung by a scorpion on my and right kicked big a brick toe. Wall. And then kicked and a brick I, wall. And I kicked a wall. I had already jammed my toe. Guessing. I jammed my toe um, like last week when I was on vacation pretty bad. And I caught it again and something snapped. And you can see the bone sticking out. So I literally have ice on both feet right now underneath. It feels really good. It's slowly getting numb. And this clear mind, my friends. <laughs> This is I'm not even getting any money for it. It tastes really good. I feel like it tastes like a clear mind. So yeah, that's what abundance is to me. Fill your cup, share with others, share your brilliance. And that abundance is really just access to using your gifts. So it's a two-way street. That abundance is giving to the universe and receiving from the universe in infinite fashion. Clear mind. <laughs> okay, now tell them, Scott, that it's really fucking moonshine. It really is. And you're so like, I'll tell you what, 300 proof. Rosemary, mint, sage, and green tea. I love sage. Ooh, it sounds like a Simon and Garfunkel song. Rosemary, rosemary sage, and mint, sage. Yeah. And speaking of rosemary, our guest is in the green room chewing on green M&Ms. Would yes, you like rosemary. the honor, Mr. Scott, of introducing our guest this evening? So this gentleman is the author of The Conscious Millionaire, and everything he does is about bringing consciousness to his work. So he teaches people how to go out, not just build a business and find a way to give their brilliance back to the universe, but he does it in a way so it's ethical, with integrity, with a true conscious nature. He's one of the most intelligent people I've ever spoken to. Every time we get on a call and we start talking, we just end up talking for like two hours and he's a lot smarter than me, so I listen a lot, which, but now that I have clear mind, it might be different. So let's welcome our good friend, JV Crumb the Third. JV hey, Crumb the Third. Oh, What's so up? Welcome to the Unfiltered here. Experience. Well, and I'm listening. I'm listening, Scott, to your discussion about abundance. What, I mean, what I love about it is it's so raw and it's true. And you know, in coaching people, uh, I work on three things, and I tell you there are only three kinds of problems you can have in your business. There's mindset problems, there's strategy problems, and there's execution problems. But Listen, I don't care what size your business is, about 80% of the problems are actually mindset problems. And I'm just going to jump right in and say there are three levels in your mindset, and that's your beliefs, it's your identity, and then it's your personal reality. And that identity part is I don't deserve, I'm not good enough. Um, you know, I've worked with a client recently who's, you know, very high level client, you know, seven figure uh, net worth. And is still struggling with that that part of, well, is it really okay that I have the Mercedes or I want the Bentley or, you know, when there are people starving, and and I think it's such an important question to to ask. the The reality is the reality is that this is part of your personal reality about how wealth. And here I'm talking about financial wealth because there are many ways to be wealthy, wealthy in friendships, wealthy in relationships, you know, wealthy in health. Health is like my number one strategy these days is I, I've come to realize if I'm not super healthy, I can't impact the world. I can't build a business. I can't help my clients. I can't make a difference. Uh, but, you know, when you're looking at wealth financially, most people are actually walking around with an inaccurate 
view of how wealth is created. And to make it simple, to make it simple, they think there's this one size pie and that we're just constantly microchipping it up. And, oh, I got a little micro part and somebody else got a little micro part. So if I get that Mercedes or whatever it is for you, right? If I take the vacation, if I stay at the five-star hotel and I could have given that money to people who don't have food, that it's an either or that abundance is one size and abundance isn't one size. But I'm going to tell you this in a very straightforward, practical way. Please. There's only one way other than some of the stuff that goes on on Wall Street that's, that is splicing little things up. But let's put that aside, you know, the micro trades and everything. In the real world of entrepreneurship, there's only one way money's made. That is that. by adding value to other people's lives. Now, I want you to ask yourself right now, is there actually any limit to the amount of value that you and over seven billion people on this planet could add to one another's lives. And the truth is there isn't. Therefore, wealth is ever expanding. And if you look at the wealth of the world, that seems to be true, that wealth is ever expanding by, by definition because of the value you're adding. So this false dichotomy of can I have the Mercedes or you know stay at the Ritz Carlton or whatever it is for you, right? Can I buy that clothes that I want, or can I buy the jewelry I want, or whatever, versus all the people that are starving. The problem with people starving is that we need to change the system, because I'm a firm believer that we ought to have systems, economic, education, government, the way society works. Boy, I know I'm putting a lot out here very quickly, in which everybody has the opportunity to win. Now you know where a lot of my philosophical persuasion is, right? That's what I believe that we should have. And I think that is possible while you can still have the home, the car, the vacation, whatever you want. It isn't an either or choice. It's an abundance choice for everyone. And creating, devising systems in which that's possible. Everybody, boy, I might as well go on. Everybody, everybody, everybody (laughs) can have health care. It isn't that you get health care and then somebody else has to die. The reality is that it can all change and we can all be living in abundance. That really is possible. It's not either or. It's massively possible. And and let's 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 lean into a few things. And Chris, if you got a couple questions, too, um, you're bringing me to a space that that I've been having a lot of conversations offline that we might as well lean into this. so you, you and I are very similar in our beliefs on this stuff, JB, because we've had extensive talks about, you know, the breakdown of the systems. And one of the things that I keep hearing again and again, do we just have to just destroy everything and start over? Or are the systems independently, individually fixable? You know, we can start with just systemic racism as, as a system which people pretend doesn't exist. We can look at the educational system, the healthcare system. What do we do? Do we start from scratch? Do we destroy them? I mean, because yeah. we have I, I, think that, I think that's such a great question. And and I'm going to answer it on, I hope, is a practical way. But this is JV's worldview. And, and you may or may not agree with me. But this is what I think is going on. And I'm a futurist, so I'm very interested in 
future streams of, of shifts, right? I think over the next 30, 40 years, we're going to continue to go through incredible chaos worldwide. And I think the nature of that chaos, and you know, so you can get caught up in the noise every day. That's called the news. I, I do my best to know what's going on and then just ignore it, right? Because I want to know, okay, that's pretty crazy, but tomorrow there'll be something <laughs> else that's pretty crazy, right? So that's the nature of this. I think what's going on with all this chaos, and I'll tell you that I'm a very, very, very positive person, and is that we're shifting from systems that frankly don't work. They did work in some many ways, but they don't work now. Or they, or you can look at them as, well, that was an early stage and we learned a lot from it. I, I'm not somebody who goes back and condemns the past. I think at every moment, everything is contributing to the future and we have to go through these steps. Now we're at a massive shift and I call it the conscious evolution and, you know, my nonprofit, Conscious World Foundation, is my focus there is to work with 18 to 25-year-olds, training them to solve world problems as conscious leaders and have conscious world centers in 100 countries uh, that are training, training the youth, because that's the future. And I think the future we're headed to is this world that, to me, it, the one paradigm is we need a world where everyone can win, that it makes sense. And if we look at the economic system, I, you know, in full disclosure, disclosure, I used to be a really, you know, uh, very much a financial conservative. I'm a trained uh, and li I'm licensed attorney. I'm trained as a tax attorney. And in case you don't know any tax attorneys in your life, uh, I happen to know a lot because uh, I like tax attorneys like each other, you know, uh, but <laughs> Why does somebody become a tax attorney? I can tell you exactly why anyone becomes a tax attorney. And what back that? in my 20s, it was why I became a tax attorney. They don't like paying taxes and they want to attract people to pay them who also don't like paying taxes. Now, I'm just going to tell you the truth about the tax code because I understand the tax code. Most of those deductions that the wealthier you are, the more you can take advantage of, because that just makes sense. The more cash flow you have coming in, the more things you own, the more you can use these, are pure air. You know, the deduction that you take on, but we really are pulling back the curtain here. The deduction that you take on real estate for depreciation is a pure lie. How many people own real estate that just keeps collapsing in value and you have to sell it 10 years later for less than what you paid for it? I'll help you. No one. In fact, 10 years later, most people are selling their real estate maybe for twice what they paid for it. But on their tax returns, they're taking this false deduction called depreciation. I'm using that because you probably are aware of that deduction or you've heard about that deduction. And so... Part of what's going on right now is that never in this country has there been such a divide, and by divide, I mean an, a, a difference between the very small 3% of people who own the vast majority of all the wealth in the United States. You have 50% of the people before the pandemic that didn't have $400, the lowest 50%, half this country in January of 2020 did not have $400 hundred dollars in their bank account. Now, that tells you that we've reached a level of inequality that doesn't make sense. 
And that's what I'm saying is that we have to find ways to deal with that, not so that people don't create wealth. I'm obviously not a conscious millionaire is not called conscious poverty. I'm for creating wealth, but I'm for creating wealth that one is, is created by creating positive impacts. And I'm for creating wealth where everyone has an opportunity to win. And that doesn't happen in a system where the majority of the people are working for wages that make it almost impossible to buy much more rent, even rent an apartment. They can't even do that. They have to have all these roommates. Something okay, on needs that point, to on that shift. Point, on that point, on that point, do you do you agree with raising minimum wage? Do you agree with doing that that yeah. step to be able to, to bring those people up to ability to, to pay oh, for them? Oh, let's let, let have, let's have everybody help, hate me yeah. today. Um, <laughs> No, this is the adult experience, baby. This is where this is where we have these conversations. So yeah, bring it on. Yes, I think all of this is very important. I, yeah. I, I think it's not only I think it's insane that we're worried about 15. We really should have a plan that over the next 10, 15, 20 years, whatever the time horizon is, that we're already planning for people making $20 an hour as a minimum. Because what we've got to do is shift how wealth is created. And the truth is when somebody goes to work, I mean, this isn't us, but, but this is a large portion of this country. If somebody goes to work, uh, one, we want to reward them. So it isn't just, you get automatic pay, pay raises. I think people should be rewarded for learning new skills, for having higher quality, for doing a better job. Ab absolutely. And at the same time, there needs to at least be a minimum so we agree that we're going to play a game where people who come to work actually get to buy food and that they can pay for their children to have food. So there should be some minimum in this game that we're playing of entrepreneurship and wealth creation where we just go, you know, if you go over to some of the countries in, in Europe, um, there's a minimum standard of living that 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 everybody at least has health care, ha has enough money that they can buy food. It, and then if you want to build wealth, uh, that's basically entrepreneurship in one form or another. And entrepreneurship is taking risks. I have made lots of money and I have lost lots of money, right? And most of the people I know who are, are highly successful, they've all had the same journey. They make money, they lose money, they take risks. And if you're taking risk, I think that there should be a way that you are rewarded for taking that risk. Otherwise, there's no reason to take it. True. But that doesn't mean we have to create a world in which half the economy can't even, can't even pay for good quality food. That makes no sense. It doesn't, even, it doesn't even support creating wealth if people are coming to work and, and they're eating horrible food and they're, they're not even healthy. Mm. Pamela says, preach. I don't know how people are making it on minimum wage. I mean, yeah. I mean, my question to that, and I know Scott has a question of this, but just uh, in, in brief, if you can do it, the question is that, okay, so we raise minimum wage and then the organizations are going to raise the prices and which is going to perpetuate the problem. Where do we, where do we get from them? Okay. I have to spend five more dollars an hour to pay my employees so they can actually fucking eat um, versus, okay, now I'm going to raise all my prices. How does that, how do we get that greed out of there to where there's less of a balance on, oh, I need to have a margin of 55% on my, on my product versus maybe 35%. It's a very, very good question. And it's not a black and white question. 
right? right. So I'm not going to say, oh, here's the, an answer for one company is an answer for another company. But I can say the difference between conventional business and conscious business, which is what is the world I live in, yeah. right? Is that in, in my book, I talk about seven stakeholders. One of them is the environment. Now, I'm not talking that every company is supposed to have a, a that their whole focus is a green initiative. I'm I'm not trying to flip the tables, although I happen to personally be very interested in sustainability. But I'm saying that we need to value that if, I'll put it this way, if we value all of the components that are necessary to create wealth in a way that's correctly value them for the input that they're doing and not just saying, how do I get somebody because everybody else is going to pay $10 for whatever. Um, so I can get somebody to do that. But if we look at, well, what is the real value that's brought by this person? Or if I'm not getting as much value as I want from this person, employee, subcontractor, whatever they are, um, how can I enhance that? How can we how can we shift things so either they learn new skills and we help them do that we we teach them about higher standards of performance so I'm I'm not the person who just says everybody should have this uh, lifestyle but they don't have to do anything for it that's not ever been my approach but my approach is that we need to make this possible we need to design the system so that it can happen and, and then the baseline for that, and you and I have talked about this too, is exactly what we you know discuss in the love and the fear model. And it's really getting people to find their brilliance <clears throat> because you just brought up the point when you're in the middle of a job and somebody's saying, do you have enough value? Are you, are you bringing value to the organization? Is it worth a certain dollar amount? Like, can we even employ you? So that's a product of a system that's gone awry. You've just essentially said this person's just a machine and they're just on autopilot and they're worthless. That's why what we've got to do is, and again, this is why it's not black and white. Simultaneously, we've got to pay these people, teach them they're brilliant, teach them to find their brilliance. Some people now might not find their brilliance till they're much older. And it might be a, a weird thing. You know, it's not, we have people who are 50 who are still working, you know, at jobs that we would say are more menial jobs. And so how do we help them simultaneously find their brilliance while we're teaching this to kids? And that has to the one thing I loved about 2020 is the, the forced pivot. You know, we're sitting here where I'm going out on stages and I can say, well, now I lost the opportunity to share my messages. No, I'm meeting Chris. I'm meeting you. I'm meeting all these amazing people. I'm building new content. It was just a quick organic shift because that's the kind of people that we are because enough people told us that we're brilliant already and we're finding our brilliance and we know how to nurture our brilliance. Simultaneously to giving these people some more money we have to infuse, you know, the love and the fear model, you know, conscious, you know, millionaire type mentality. There's so many things that we've got to be teaching while it's happening. How do we start doing that? Because while we're doing it, we've also got two groups fighting, thinking they're saying different things. When in reality, if we were to say we should teach a man to fish, but those who can't who are trying, let's help them. It's kind of what we're all saying, but we make yeah, it. You know, so you know, that's, a, that's a great analogy. And I love that analogy um, because I, you know, I think that, that people philosophically, you know, let's talk about the fishing model, right? That people philosophically come down on, 
Uh, there are people uh, who just say, we just got to give, give, give. We got to support this. We got to do that. Yeah, no. I, I've actually never been one of those people. I've always been the teach people to fish person, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, so there are two components. And so we need to own both components. There has to be the possibility someone can be taught to fish. Mm -hmm. And the person has to decide they want to learn to fish. There's two Mine's pieces to there's two pieces to this. But as I started looking deeper into this and watching a lot of documentaries the last two or three years, and, and especially during the shutdown, I just did a show last week on my Conscious Millionaire uh, show about what it was like to be in lockdown for, yes, 12 full months. I haven't been hugged. I've only gotten together with a friend twice, and that was distance with masks. Um, this is how I chose to live to protect myself, protect other people. Uh, so I've had, and when I did that show, I had to review, okay, well, what were the positives? And there are actually a lot of positives. Like, I don't know if I'm going back to a movie theater. I'm kind of gotten used to this. Just watch it on my Mac with great headphones. And it's, I don't have to go anywhere and I can eat, you know, healthy organic almonds happens to be one of my, <laughs> my uh, yeah, it's a lot, a lot cheaper and a lot healthier. I can sit there having a salad you know, and watching this. But I think that when we, we look at this and go deeper, then we find that there are generations of people and we have to deal with this head on and not pretend it's not happening, that where their families have lived in such poverty, because I work on mindset, strategy, and execution. That's how I help entrepreneurs. But the truth is in the world of being successful in life, there's still only mindset, strategy, and execution because that's everything. In, in my way of seeing things, there isn't anything that isn't mindset, strategy, and execution. Mindset's the most important one. And if someone literally has a belief system, an identity, and a personal reality inside, that not only, not only is that not possible, it's especially not possible for them that they could go to a different level. You know, then it's going to be very difficult for them to do that. And so I think that we have uh, kind of growth re-engineering, let's call it that, but it's internal growth re-engineering that's going to have to go on uh, so that we can uplift people and awaken them to the truth that they can make new goals, that they can live in a way that they didn't. I grew up poor, uh, but somehow I came out of the womb with this drive and my parents were very intelligent. I just at five couldn't figure out how anybody could be that intelligent and, and not have any money and constantly have problems about money. I thought they're going, there is something wrong with this situation. And it turned out there was. And once I had to analyze when I wrote my book, I had to look back and go, okay, well, from whence I came, how did this happen? Like when I ran into the house at age five and told my parents I was going to be a millionaire because I thought I had just discovered water, uh, my mom actually shook her fingers at me. And she says, don't you tell anybody. She was ashamed, ashamed. Now, fortunately, I didn't take that on. And, and as I've been telling people recently, I actually went around the neighborhood. It was like two, 300 people lived in the little, I don't know what you call it, little village. Um, I knocked on doors as a five-year-old to announce to people that I was going to be a millionaire when I grew up, right? And my editor to the book said, JV, you can't just say your mom shook her fingers at you. You've got to explain that. And I said, well, I don't actually know why she shook her fingers. So I had to sit there and 
contemplate and journal and write about it and go, why was she doing that? And it's because we, we, were, we lived across the street from the church. We went to church three times a week, even though we were the only people there sometimes. And my mother believed, and I tell this story because I think a lot of people actually believe this. And I think it's important to go, it's not true. My mother believed at that point that if anybody had a million dollars, they must be criminals. They must have shafted someone. They took advantage of someone. And so what she was really saying, I don't want you to grow up and be a bad person because in her mind, only bad people yeah. had money. Mm. And right now, if you're listening to this, I guarantee that either you or somebody you know, perhaps very close to you, has that exact belief and it's exactly what's holding you back from having the abundance financially that you actually can have. So how do we flip that? How do we flip that belief system, JV? That's one of the most important questions I had for tonight is, is flipping that belief system for people uh, who thinks money, who think money is bad and have that negative connotation with that. How do we flip that belief system that there is abundance? Because that's what we titled this is abundant mindset. How do we change that belief system in the people in in our in our in our community today that are perhaps our age, you know, or thereabouts? And then also the second part of the question is what age should we start teaching that to our children? And, and should that be forced in school so that we can get a, we can get these people to to take over the world and not screw it up like we're currently. Well, that, that's a, uh, I, I got several questions there. I'm going to take the child one first because that one really intrigued me. I'm, nobody's ever actually asked me that exact question. Well, you know, we know, and, and in full disclosure, I also have a master's in clinical psych. So that that's kind of where I started all of this. Um, we know that if you play a, a different language, than the one you speak in your baby's bedroom mm. from that zero to one, zero to two, zero to three, that they will also become fluent in that language. Mm. So we know they're picking that up. So I think one of the questions would be, uh, God, I'd love to create this product. It's not my target market, but I'd still create it. Is, conscious is, baby millionaire. Yeah, conscious baby millionaire. Right here on the No, I'm, I'm, I'm like going, oh my God, a whole new division of conscious millionaires being born right oh, now. Well, it's, it's children's, books. Books. children's books. We got children's books. Children's yeah. books. Yes, yeah, so it's to have audios that are played about you are magnificent. You can live with abundance. You can have all the money you want. You can be a millionaire by the time you're 18. You know, telling them how worthy they are because this is. Almost everybody, when I get down to those core beliefs, it is about worthiness. It's about deserving. And it's love. It, yep. It, yep, love. I'm, I'm not worthy of love. Um, I don't deserve to be one of the things I have to work with. Um, you know, at each stage, it's, it's especially five and six figure entrepreneurs. One of the reasons they're progressing more slowly is that they don't believe they deserve to be paid more. You know, I have people tell me, oh, well, I've got to help. I've got to help everyone. And I go, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take a piece of paper and on one side, you're going to write all, draw a line down, down the middle. And one side, you're going to write all the things that you're going to do to make money around this topic, around helping people in this way. And then on the other side, you can write down all the ways that you could just help people, but not make money around this same topic. And then I go, now, on Saturdays, 
you can go help people all you want for free. But if you want to build a business Monday through Friday, you're going to charge for that. Because if you don't charge for that, it's not a business. Yeah. It's only a business when people pay you something. And then we're going to work on those inner beliefs about being good enough, about deserving, about being a fraud. You know, all, all those things will come up. And I go, that's great. We can, we can switch those. But let's first start out with the understanding that you are going to have a clear definition that building a business is about building a business. And it's not a business if people aren't paying you. So I think that addresses the babies. I think this is addresses, it's about awareness. That's at the core of everything I'm saying. And so there are three levels in the mind. There's the brain, the brain part that's about beliefs. There's identity, your personal identity, how you see yourself. And then there's your personal reality that you've created, which is all about what's possible. It's all about what opportunities you can even see and act upon. And so I'm a journal guy. Journal about exactly what beliefs are holding me back. And let's, whatever's a big number for you, you know, what beliefs are holding me back from having a million dollars in the bank? Let's just choose that. For most people listening, they probably don't have a million dollars in the bank. If you do, make it 10. Make it 100, whatever it is. It's the process. And write down those beliefs. And then write down what would the beliefs need to be for me to put that $100. And then the third part of this exercise is I believe in action. You know, you can sit around. I meditate. but You can meditate all day. If you don't do anything, you're still just meditating, right? Uh, and so the action would be what actions would I need to take to have a million dollars in the bank? If you just do that, just start at the mil at the belief level, and then you can go to the identity level. How do I see myself that keeps me from having a million dollars in the bank? How would I need to see myself to have a million dollars? And then what actions should I take? And then the third level is what about how I see reality keeps me from having a million dollars in the bank? How could I change that so that I see reality in a way that would help me get a million dollars in the bank very quickly. And then what actions would I take? If you just take time to map that out, now you're aware of it, but you also have an action plan to change it. And what I just described, maybe you spend two or three hours on it because it's that important. And now you have an action plan to go out there and start putting a million dollars in the bank and you're shifting your beliefs and your identity and your personal reality in the process. I like it. Hell yeah. I thought you disappeared from it, Chris. You you went, you went radio silent. <laughs> oh, I forgot I turned my volume down and take a drink because I noticed my ice was clinking in the can and I didn't want it to go on the microphone. So I turned it down and I was just I was actually just engaged with what JB JB was saying. I was, like, I was like, huh? Oh yeah, right. Um <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just take this moment here because I know we have some great comments. Thank you, Pamela. Thank you, Lynn. What's up? Lynn is in the house. Lynn at Serrano. Lynn is one of our favorite people in the world. Um, Pamela says, uh, if nothing else, it gives people an education that actually teaches them how to make a living wage. Right. And also Pamela goes on to say, um, 
Let's see. Uh, I didn't have anyone telling me I was brilliant until I was over 40. It, and I had one person believe in me that moment that I wondered if it was possible I could do anything more than work a nine to five, make next to nothing and be treated like a second class citizen. I went to college, got my three degrees and it wasn't like I didn't jump all through all the hoops. There needs to be much better way of educating people sooner than, than later in life. Absolutely, Pam. Couldn't agree more. Um, let's see, we got Darlene. So, so I, I, want to, I want to comment on Pamela because I, I happen to have three graduate degrees in three different fields. And it wasn't until after I did that that I started doing things like living at a Buddhist monastery, going to Esalen, doing a lot of experiential kinds of shifts. And I've come to the conclusion that, you know, while I obviously got very good at learning, memorizing, and telling professors what they wanted to hear on tests, that's how I got through all of that. But my my thing is, I think experiential learning, and that's transformational. That's the transformation. Transformation will never come from the head. It comes from the heart and body for the most part. 100%. Right? And transformational experiential learning to me is what makes the difference. And that's what we need to be providing to people so that they transform into another version of themselves. Uh, a version of themselves that gives them confidence, that gives them skills, that gives them drive. And all of that is possible. It's not like people are broken and now they they can't become whole. All of us are on a journey to become more whole. I mean, I do per this this weekend. I've devoted the whole weekend on Saturday. I'm doing lots of journaling. I'm doing personal exercises I've designed. I'm doing them all day long. Then the night is for contemplating. And then on Sunday, it's for JV day. I, I might go out in the mountains. I might take a hike. It's for me to integrate. And I know that to integrate requires me to just allow space to be. It's not about doing. It's about being. being. So so she said the operative word there was educate. Now, educate is such a, an op uh, opaque word. It could be there's so many meanings. So what you just said, that would be an interesting, have a different discussion on, but do the breakdowns of what you're doing now because you're doing different things to stimulate yourself in different ways, all part of that process. Those would be parts of those meditative suggestions that we're putting in baby's cribs or whatever, saying, today I will have an experiential journey with blocks. Today I will work with language and just, you know, whatever it is, but you're literally starting to get yourself to not be, you know, just tunnel vision of what to do. So well, you, you just brought up something that I think is really fun. So let's take clay, mm -hmm. you know, so what is clay, clay, clay. <laughs> you know, like, like Play-Doh clay. Uh, and, you know, so what if while a child's playing with Play-Doh clay, they're listening to music. So that's going to be one piece of it. And they're listening to, repeated instruction that you are a person who can mold your life. You can mold the world. You can mold Incredible. your future. And so they're realizing mold and you're giving them instructions, mold something that you have fun molding, right? Mold something that, you know, that you're using words that over time they'll understand what they mean, you know, mold your world. So they get, Oh, this isn't just playing with Play-Doh at two or yep. three. I'm actually molding something that I have this power to mold. So they're making a connection to that process being something that they can repeat over and over because you're laying a foundation for them. hundred percent. Chris, who else? We had a couple other people that had some other um, great points too. And I love, I love what you're saying, JV. And I think, 
I think that integration to get people in their analytical and their creative mind, whether it's through molding or through exercises is massively crucial too, because we see so many people who sit in their analytical mind and get their creative mind stolen from them because their parents are saying, art will never make you money. This doesn't do this, study this. I mean, I, I have an assumption that we've all heard that to some degree, art's not gonna do anything. Where is sports gonna get you? You know, we're always told to do the hyper analytical stuff. And now we see ourselves in beta you know, we're always in high level beta all the time, you know, building up cortisol and we're all out of shape by 30 or 40. And that's all because of what we're doing to ourselves. When if your tapes could change all this. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I heard you loud and clearly and I'm going, all right, new baby division to conscious men. I, I, I love that because I want to do that with you because that's I'm, I'll even dress up as a baby. I'll do whatever it takes. <laughs> And we'll promote clear mind on there. No, I, I want to follow up about that because that a lot, a lot of times we say something here that we're like, that's a good idea. I really, really, really like that because the meditations that we give our coaching group, I'm doing the same thing for adults. Why are we not doing it at a much younger age that it's pre-programming or deprogramming what's in the DNA or the parents not intentionally spewing at their kids? You know, we could be deprogramming that deprogramming it while it's happening. And let's appreciate where we've come consciously just in our lifetimes. The 70s, the 60s, you know, was, you know, peace, love, do a lot of drugs um, and look at life differently. So that really started. I, I think a lot of times people don't appreciate because the farther we get away from the 60s, it's like, oh, well, it's a bunch of people growing their hair long, doing a bunch of drugs. But what they were really doing was questioning the reality that had come before and going, oh, there's new possibilities. Because remember, a lot of those people became very, very successful later in many ways. And then the 70s, just in case you weren't around, I was. I was going to grad school. I was growing my hair long. I was living in California doing all the drugs I could find. But I am proud. I still got a 4.0 in my grad <laughs> degree. I had three rules. That's why I got the 4.0. I never went to class on drugs. I never studied on drugs and I never took tests on drugs. But I will tell you openly, oh, all the rest of the time I was on drugs. And I think it was a really important part because it opened me up to possibilities and seeing things, taking acid, doing all that kind of stuff, which was very California, grew my hair long, had a beard, and you know, at 22. And, um, and so... I think what that generation was all about was the me generation. You know, I, I was going to gestalt groups as part of my clinical psych thing. You know, we were opening up, talking about our feelings, you know, which wasn't, never went on before. It only started in the 60s. Before that, people didn't talk about their feelings. You was know? that because of drugs though? Was that because of the psychedelics that got people to, get, <laughs> to drop down? I mean, oh, no, 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 no. Okay, I, I, I'll address it. I think that the drugs did open us and I'll say open me mm -hmm. uh, to my inner reality, but going oh. to the Gestalt groups was a place where I did pieces of work about, oh, I'm angry about this. And then we would work on anger, but in working on anger, I had to feel the anger as opposed to run away from the anger. So that really started the world we're living in. My point is before that, we weren't even looking at how we built relationships consciously. That wasn't even a concept on this planet anywhere. That mm -hmm. wasn't how well people were 
were living for the most part. Now you could argue that you go, back to Skinner, you go back to Skinner and all those guys. I mean, when was that? That was the, that was the sixties. Yeah. Late well, 60s. that was the seventies, but we got to say that uh, because I did my undergrad on the East coast, when I went to the West coast, uh, people were way beyond Skinner. They were into expect expectant uh, 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 models where instead of mm -hmm. the black box, I don't know. This is all that relevant, but instead of the black box being empty, the black box was filled with what's the person's expectations and how does that affect the external world? And really the difference was Skinner was saying you don't have real control. And on the West coast, they were going, wait a minute. And you know, maybe they had just done a lot more drugs, but they were going, wait a minute. Yes, you do. You, you can decide what that destiny thing is you want and you can, create an expectation and some plan to get there. People weren't looking at life other than how do I make money or something like that? Or how do I get the right guy, the right girl uh, before that? But it wasn't this conscious way that we're looking at. And now you look at when I moved to Boulder in 1999, Whole Foods in Boulder was the number one Whole Foods on the planet. And, and I have to say I fit in well because I was like a granola guy who was spending $700 a month on organic food at Whole Foods. Now, Whole Foods' biggest competition is King Supers and every regular, you know, uh, grocery store because they've all got an organic section. They all have the same Amy's Pizza or whatever you want, right? Because what's happened in a very short 20 years, really, is that we've gone from that's a very small segment of society to that's a way of living. I mean, you think about the, the iPhone. I'm very proud. I'm showing off my Apple iPhone 12. You know, Apple, I didn't buy an Apple until six years ago. Now you can't get me to buy anything else. But why? Because, because of the cloud. Before that, I needed a, a PC because all the business software came on a CD it was only designed for a PC environment, and it kept me there. And now look at the growth of Apple and just the number of people. I've got two iPads. I've got two Macs. I've got an iPhone 12, uh, and, and, and I, I'm a single household. You know, it's like this is this and Apple just to, I'm not trying to trash PCs, but Apple is just a more creative environment to work in right? It's just, it's just a whole different world to work in, but it's grown from a very small percentage to now it's a, it's a big segment of the market. And I think all of that's more about this consciousness opening up where we're beginning to go, well, wait a minute, I can take a whole vacation that's an eco vacation and fits my values. I can eat all organic food. I, I've become plant-based and, and it's a whole different world. It's a different consciousness when you're putting live and not dead things, live local, you know, for the most part, locally grown plants that are alive when I bought them. They, they just came out of the field recently and I'm going to eat them. I'm going to get all that live energy in me. It changes a lot. And 20 years ago, that was a very small segment of this society i'm just talking here the united states and now it's a it's it's a commonly accepted way of living
So how does that tie? How does that tie into the abundance mindset? Because I know we want to respect your time. You have something to yep. do here about twelve so, minutes. But tying that all in, what would be what would be the summation of the conversation tonight? And what could we get viewers to walk away with tangible action items that they can begin using immediately? Well, that's we, a, that's we, a, we think about the last twelve months. We think about you know we're we're sitting here having this conversation. But there's people literally who just got canceled off of unemployment. They have no income. They're 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 the only reason why they still have a house over their head or roof over their head is because they have you know the situation they can't get kicked out. What can we do to, to summarize the conversation so that people can walk away with those actionable items to reshape their belief system and start taking action today on, on just at least one step at a time? What's your recommendation? Yeah. So the one step at a time, and I, I that today happened to be a big podcast day for me. So I've been on two shows. I've been interviewing people all day. Uh, and so I'm going to talk about uh, a person, not by name, but that I just interviewed. She's a friend of mine. She lives in Colorado. In March of last year, she most of her income came from speaking and going on site nationally and internationally with corporations. And she went from the next four to five months, no room for anything to in like a week or two, everything was canceled because nobody even wanted somebody coming. No source of income at all. What she did is the actual answer. She looked at all this and she says, well, I've got to make a living right? Very practical. I got to pay my bills. How do I pivot? How do I look at things differently? And I've had that conversation about three times today is that everybody has new problems. And the only way to make money is solving problems to have impact on people, right? So the thing is you start looking and going, well, so what are the new problems? You know, it's like we're not going to conferences, so Zoom already existed, but let's take the world of exercise, because right now, I, I was a guy who went to, you know, Orange Theory five times a week, and that's been one of the biggest challenges for me, is how do I get the exercise I want? There, there seems like there are a million options at this point as to how I can do, uh, I'm doing this hip-hop exercise stuff that's really cool with there's three people and I've got a bands. I bought bands. I do that with two guys who have bands and have a band company, uh, but that you can just do the training. You don't have to buy their bands uh, is that you look at what are the new problems. And if you're an entrepreneur, you go, well, how can I solve those? Another way to look at it is, okay, I already have a group of customers. What are their new problems and how can I provide to that? Now let's look at how you can expand this strategically. You can take, okay, here's my, my, my group of people that I can work with. Here's the, here's the problem I solve, but what's the problem right before that? And what's the problem after that? And then how can I affiliate with those people? And I start getting more income. So what happened with, with my friend is like, she's now thriving because she just decided to look at life differently and ask new questions. Mm. But if you take the model that I just gave you, what's the new problem? What's the problem that comes before it? What's the problem that happens after it? Who can I partner with through affiliate, through joint ventures in, in many different ways? And now I'm making money more ways than I was before. So the real decision is, do you want to be committed to winning and you're not going to let anything stop? And that's what you're going to do. Or are you going to roll over and play victim? And, and I'm being blunt because the truth is I don't want you to roll over and play victim. I want you to know that you have this kind of power to make a new decision, to change your beliefs about 
what is going on in the world, to change your identity about who I am, and to change your personal reality about what is actually possible. And if you do that exercise I gave you earlier, that's going to create a massive shift for you. I highly recommend you do that because that's going to take you to a new place. And what I'm going to do, we haven't even talked about this, but I'm just going to, you know, offer this. Yeah. I want, you know, I do empowerment audios. Uh, they're hypnotic. I have nine years of training in this. I'm certified in hypnosis. If you want to get this one hypnotic audio from me, absolutely free. I'm going to tell you how to go get it. It's called Born to Make Millions. Now, I'm going to tell you exactly what to do with it for 30 days, and I'm telling you it will create a massive shift in who you are and the actions that you're ready to take. So first of all, I'll tell you where to go get it, consciousmillionaire.com forward slash make millions, consciousmillionaire.com forward slash make millions. Now, this is a six-minute audio, but the first minute just sets it up, so you only have to listen to it once. So what I want you to do is just cue it up after the first one in the morning, five minutes long. That's how long it'll take you. This is a 15 minutes out of your day to change your life. Five minutes, listen to it in the morning, five minutes, listen to it in the afternoon or evening. And at some point during the day, five minutes, I want you to journal about why you were born to make millions. I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it. I want you to start every sentence with, I was born to make millions because I was born to make millions because because I'm just good looking because I like other people because I really want to be rich because I like helping people and making a difference in their life. You don't have to worry what the answer is. Don't sit there thinking about that. Just write. I was born to make millions because for five minutes I set my, yes, my iPhone on a little timer. So it's going to go off. I don't have to worry about it in five minutes. And I just keep writing that. That's 15 minutes a day for 30 days. I will guarantee that you will have a positive shift in how you see yourself and the kind of actions that you now feel compelled to go out there and do and confident to do because you're going to change how you see yourself. And that's where it all starts. Okay, I'm doing this. All right, Chris, you doing it? Boom. What? Does that, does that mean yes or no? Are you doing it? Am I doing what? Did he just say the something? The thing he just gave oh, us, dude. Oh, that's, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay, actually, so I'm going to do it. And this is like, what we're going to do. So we're going to revisit. We're going to get on a live. And we're going to tell you our – we're going to be your, your – Oh, you know those, I love that. So you know why, don't awesome? I, why, don't, why don't I come back? And we'll talk about it. That we, we want an inf this going to be the best infomercial for you ever because we don't shut up. So if this works for us, oh man, it you will can... work. I guarantee it will. I know work. it will, and we're not going to shut up about it. This is going to be good for right. your business. And and here <laughs> and here's the interesting thing is that with a title like "Born to Make Millions," you're going to think, oh, it's just all about the money. Actually, it's not because it doesn't matter if I tell you what's in it. You're going to hear it over and over. In the middle of it, it asks the most important questions. What's the impact I can make that people are going to pay me for? Because yeah. that's how you're going to make your millions. So once you get clear, it's all about my impact. That's, that's really where the millions come from. It's not like you have to go steal them from someplace or manipulate people. You don't have to manipulate anybody. You know, you don't really even have to sell them. You have to offer them opportunities that they yeah want and are salivating to get because everybody has outcomes they want to achieve. 
And your goal is to go help them achieve those outcomes. That's that simple. Agreed. JB Crumb the third, ladies and gentlemen, here on the Unfiltered Experience. Thank you, brother, for spending your time and your wealth of knowledge and your brilliance with us. We appreciate you, brother. We love you. We you're part of the Unfiltered crew, of course, and our homeboy. So, uh, yes, thank you for coming on here and sharing your wisdom and your brilliance and and giving actionable items that everybody can take away, including ourselves, to be I'll able to it. enrich our life and to uh, to make the world a better place for who we are and what we do, and to lift everybody else up. So, um, we got we got Darlene saying, "Woohoo, she's ready to do it." Hey, Darlene. Uh, we got Pamela, Pamela thank you. She says, I've done this with other things, but about never about making millions. That changes today. Look at well, that. Well, Pamela, you know what's great about that is you have a reference point that you already know how to do this. Now you're just going to apply it in a different area. Yep, yes, I'm plug it into abundance. Uh, Darlene says, thank you guys, JV, for being here tonight. You guys were incredible. Hashtag value. Uh, we got... Nina, Nina, uh, I am doing this hashtag mindset. I think she had said something up here as well. Something, uh, where is it? Um, where the hell did I go? We My, get, we're getting old, Chris. Oh, we can't see. No, I'm just like, yeah. there's so many different comments going on. She says, hello, Christopher Roush. Love London. London. Oh, I love, I love London. I love London. <laughs> Uh, I, believe, I believe I met so many people. Uh, I don't know. You said you have an iPhone, JV. Have you, uh, you've been exploring Clubhouse at all? I'm in Clubhouse, but I have been like so busy with uh, so many things that are going on that um, I haven't been playing in Clubhouse, but everybody I know is playing there. Okay, I'll make a deal with you guys. I, I've been a wuss oh, about getting I don't, in there. Hear, I don't want to hear it. I don't even want to no, hear no, it. No, no, no. I'm on I'll there. Jump I'm in. there. I'll, yeah, see, I'll see you over there, JV. Scott's taking his time. Scott's taking his time. <laughs> he bought an iPhone and he's, yeah, it's all right. Remember, JV, I said I was going to get the 12. I got the 12 when you said we, I got it. I got the one with the three pretty camera pieces. I don't even know oh, what yeah. it means. Here, yeah, here, it, pretty here, it, here it is. Yeah, we got here the same it. one. 256K. I went all yep. in. Yeah, and did you get the uh, the Pro Max? Did it all? Did it, no, I got the. I didn't get the bigger one. I should have got. The I got regular. the bigger one. I I've always yeah. had the regular size. Bigger one, I got to tell you, <laughs> watching videos on this is yeah. amazing. They're about fifty percent bigger. Yeah, I should. You I, know, and and here in Denver, uh, in case you don't live in Denver, you're not paying attention to the news which is understandable. Uh, we had our biggest snowstorm for several years this weekend. Um, all of Denver got like a two feet wow. dumped on it, which in case you don't live in snow world, that's a lot of snow. That's yeah. <laughs> a lot of snow. My, my garbage is still sitting out by the street and they're supposed to pick it up on Monday. And the rule was they'd pick up Mondays on Tuesdays. No, they just didn't pick up the garbage this week in a lot of places. They wow. Said, well, and I said, well, you know what? The good thing is it's frozen, so it doesn't smell. <laughs> I just you want the bigger it. one. Come I on, just, man. Leave me alone. I just, I just left it. I just left it. Oh, yeah. The bigger one is great. It's great. Yeah. I'm not sure what we're talking about here, but finish up. Chris. <laughs> well, what's, what's, what's really funny is I was giving Pam shit on her. Sh she was being interviewed by Lynn earlier. So I was on there being a little dick about, you know, they were talking about wood. They said, they said something about uh, wet wood. It was like a, a, a euphemism. And I was like, well, if you have wet, is it better to have hardwood? You know, does, so I was just like messing with her on her show. So now she's coming back doing it. Coming back. I think it's and, even and I just the innocent bystander. Oh, <laughs> uh, JV, thank you so much for being here. We're going to put you thank back. You, thank you for having me. Always we love having you. <laughs> you are you are a, a permanent member of the show. So thank you so much. We're just going to close out the show. So stay in the green room for a second, unless you have to jump off because I know it's six o'clock and you have to jump off. But we're just going to round out the show here for a second. So thank you for great. being on here. Make sure you guys connect with JV. Thank you, thank you, brother, Mr. Goyette. 
What's up? What do you think about that situation right there? Mr. JV Crumb the third coming in here and sharing his brilliance. What do you think about the, the encapsulation of what he said tonight? I'm in total alignment with the um, idea that we've got those three potential problems you can look for in business. And there's definitely the one that is all across all of our lives. And that's mindset. The second you, you fix mindset and you peel back those layers of identity that are holding you back and you're defining them as you when they're not you, the world is your oyster. You can do whatever you want. So to his point, I'm, I'm interested because in doing what he just shared with us, and I'm going to do it because I love the idea of constantly going in and deprogramming the unconscious mind. And that sounds like what he's doing. And since one of the areas that I still deny that I struggle with, but I definitely do, is that abundance component. Because as I'm filling myself with self-love, like I said, to share my brilliance, I still notice because I'm always in service to so many people, and you do this too, we both do it, yep. is we start to go below our fill line and we're giving, but we're on empty. And so, you know, that's something where we can practice. Maybe that's why we were doing the show. The universe came in. JV's like, I see you guys. I see you guys. I'm going to give you 30 days of fill up. We're going to get some the super gasoline and we're going to come out better than ever. So I trust that's why we're here. I'm all about it. I believe in abundance. We teach it. I don't always live it. Here's my chance to do it. Take it away, Chris. Hashtag jump into it. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going to go very succinct here so we can Fair get line. to him before he has to get off. Um, yeah. I loved what he said. Well, that's not a bad. Um, yeah, I've just been in that frame of mind today. It's just weird shit. <laughs> but I love what he said about, you know, he goes, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be raw right here. However, he said it, you know, like just being real. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, all of us have a choice every time we get up in the morning. We have a choice to focus on what's great or what's shitty. And if you focus on what's shitty, guess what? You're gonna get more of that. If you focus on what's great, you're gonna get more of that. If you have a shitty life right now and you want it to be great, then guess what? You're gonna have to do a lot of work. You have to do a lot of programming, a lot of belief system changing, and it's not gonna happen overnight. It's not gonna be easy. Yes, it's going to be quote unquote hard, but is it going to be worth it? Yes. If you look at your life two years from now and you can sit there and say, wow, I got to go through a lot of shit. I got to eat shit for the next two years, but my life is going to be amazing after that. Just imagine what it is that you can accomplish beyond those two years. So make an investment in yourself, make an investment in the people around you and make sure that you're making the right choices for what it is that you truly want to do in this life and find the passion, find the energy, find the enthusiasm, get around the right people. And I promise you, you can do it. Take JV's challenge. Do that. Scott and I are going to do that. We're going to report back in 30 days. So this is all up to you guys. You come here to the unfiltered experience to have a raw conversation, an unfiltered experience to be able to walk away with tangible benefits that you guys can implement immediately. So we count on you to go put these into play and then come back and tell us about it. Come back and share in the comments, even ping us and say, I want to be on the show for 10, 15 minutes and talk about when JV was on there. Here's the, here's the value that I gained out of that particular time. That would mean the world to us. We would love you guys. And as always, you guys are our unfiltered crew. We love you deeply. We'll be back here next Friday night, 5 PM Pacific standard time, 8 PM Eastern standard time with another beautiful guest here sharing their brilliance. So we thank you. Please sure to care to, to get a hold of JV. Again, we'll put that uh, link up here right now. So, for now, we wish you guys an amazing weekend. Go out there, have amazing moments, and enjoy your brilliance. And we love you guys. We appreciate your support. And we will see you next Friday night on the Unfiltered Experience. We love you guys. Peace out. Jump into it. Jump into it. Yeah.